Welcome to Three Little Things, a natural health podcast. We've created this space to help you positively navigate the world of holistic and natural well-being, where each week we will explore something new and dive into a diverse range of holistic health topics from all walks of life. As chiropractors, we are equally passionate about helping educate, share and empower you on your well-being journey. Created with you in mind, Three Little Things aims to bring you digestible topics and applicable tools and strategies to help you grow, thrive and live well. So let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Three Little Things podcast. My name is Sarah and I'm joined as always with my co-host Lily. And we're back for another wonderful episode. Lily and I love doing this and the best part of it is getting to meet wonderful people. And today is no different. We have another beautiful guest that Lily is going to introduce in a second. But we just wanted to say a big thank you again to all of our lovely listeners. We love that you guys tune in when we drop these episodes and the feedback we get is awesome. So thank you. So Lily, would you like to introduce our wonderful guest for today? Yes, so I met um, Dr. Charlotte at this um, great little conference on sleep. And um, I just fell in love with um, you and your information. So Dr. Charlotte DeCourcy Bailey, this is a very short bio of uh, Dr. Charlotte, who graduated from um, dentistry at UCID in 1993. And also finished a Master's of Science in Sleep Medicine, um, also at Sydney in 2013, under the tutelage of Professor Colin Sullivan, an inventor, uh, the inventor of um, the CPAP machine. And since 1999, she has run a private general dental practice in St. Leonard's, treating oral facial pain, dental sleep, in, um, and dental sleep medicine. In 2009, she was invited to um, become the founding president uh, of the AACP Australian chapter and went on to chair running 11 international conferences as well as local chapter online and in-person education. She has also published a podcast called Mindset for Health, Tales of Extraordinary People. Most recently, she was invited to write a chapter on adjunct therapies for dental sleep medicine for an international textbook on dental sleep medicine to be published by Springer. Is now completed and um, awaiting publication in 2022. And it is um, in publication, and so that will be in our show notes for the show. Thank you. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So I thought we'd kind of start off at the beginning for the listeners. So, Charlotte, tell us what is holistic dentistry? What is that? That's the question I get, I would say, like 20 times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm still refining it, mm-hmm. the answer that is. And possibly I'm still refining the holistic dentistry. Um, I think it's different for every dentist who classes themselves as holistic because I think it, it's a result of your journey and I've always felt that my journey was directed by the patients who came to me with the questions and the problems that they needed assistance with so for me holistic as an overview requires that I consider the entire of the body mm-hmm. um, mainstream dental training focuses in on the head and neck um, when we do anatomy dissection in second year it's probably changed now but when I went through it was second year was anatomy year and we basically went only down to the bottom of the diaphragm Mm -hmm. we dissected the lungs the chest cavity the neck the head and um, looked at the brain Um, but that kind of implies that where we work on stops at the diaphragm which is kind of crazy because I know for example that some of my biggest clenching grinding patients are people with foot pain Mm -hmm. okay so if I don't ask you about your feet how am I going to figure out why it is that you are smashing your teeth yeah as an example um lower back pain same reason disrupt sleep you get more clenching more grinding so 
I was lucky enough to come to dentistry as a dental assistant for a very broad-minded dentist, one of the first in Sydney who stopped using amalgam, that's the mercury filling material. Um, and I was lucky enough as a graduate dentist to only place probably a half dozen amalgam fillings in my life, all of whom I apologise to, to the patients <laughs> who are out there. And I got to remove some of them and correct that later on. Andrew had a very broad approach to dentistry as it was, and he led me in the direction of understanding um, pain, jaw dysfunction. We started the orthodontic journey together. I was his dental assistant, he was the dentist, but I was learning everything he learned because he took me to classes and courses. So that was before I even went to university. Mm. So I think it just, holistic dentistry is throwing your net wide in order to understand the person sitting in front of you. Mm -hmm. And you actually had great DNA in terms of your um, education because you came through him and yes. his philosophy. So now you're yeah. just continuing on this um, big journey. Yeah. Yeah. I like and that. My parents would probably say I had embedded DNA because my great, great grandfather, I think, was the dentist to um, Queen Victoria. Oh, oh, there you but go. the only problem is we never see a smile, so I don't know if yeah. anybody does. Interesting. Maybe that's the character. Yeah. If anyone so, finds a picture of Queen Victoria smiling, please send it through. <laughs> so the industry is more not so much about aesthetics, but about function, mm. isn't it? Yeah. It is. I know. I mean, the homunculus came up in one of our um, episodes um, several months ago, and we were describing the homunculus, which is this little cartoon character that has proportions um, relative to how many nerve endings are given to that part of the body. And this character has huge um, lips and teeth and gums. So, I mean, it's so innovative, isn't it? Mm. The, the jaw joint is probably the most complicated joint in the body in terms of the range of function that it can do and the nerve supply and blood supply around that area is incredible. Mm. So when people have jaw joint dysfunction, uh, their balance is off. Mm. They have pain, they have headache, they have neck pain. Mm. Uh, like It can be wide ranging in terms of the symptoms that can come from jaw joint dysfunction as an example. Mm. And I mean, I love the way you start off here, which is actually about, um, you know, dent good dental health um, starts before birth. That's yeah. scary. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and um, I think we forget so often. I, I remember hearing years ago about in African nations, the youngest people who have just got married and want to have children next year are selectively given the best food in the village. Okay, there's that, that concept that whatever we feed mm -hmm. into this, the, and not just the mother but the father as well, feed into these people before they get pregnant and through the process of pregnancy is going to determine the outcome. Mm -hmm. um, not only the emotional, um, well, not only the nutritional, but also the emotional environment too. So what support do we give? Um, and one's got to think over what's gone on over the last three years. I am actually quite terrified about what is coming down the pipeline towards us. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. A lot of messed up DNA. But a lot of messed up DNA. Half that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so from that point of view, yes, nutrition impacts on uh, the fetal development, obviously. And then uh, the process of birth as well. Um, the first, about approximately the th a third of your first molar teeth, the biting surface, is actually formed while the baby is still in utero. So anything that happens in that last trimester can interrupt and affect the enamel formation on those six-year-old molar teeth. Mm -hmm. So those are the ones that, just for clarity, that come into the mouth when the child is six 
um, and are hopefully going to be there for the rest of your life. But mm. a lot of times we've got to be making sure that we see a child at and around that age to make sure there is no problem with that enamel as that six-year-old molar comes in. Mm-hmm. And yet the um, third trimester is often the busiest for some women. You know, they're actually at work right up to 36 weeks. Yeah. So how much trauma to their body and their cortisol levels mm-hmm. and yep. you know, nutrition, emotional status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Fever and infection in the mother as well will also disrupt enamel formation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. that third trimester is important for teeth. Yeah. So for nutritional status, it's really important. Do you have any suggestions, Charlotte, as to what women um, should be eating through their pregnancy and beforehand? Oh, I'm not sure I'm skilled enough mm-hmm. to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I say to everybody, eat the rainbow. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. Yeah, okay. Basically. Good. And, you know, I love the way you mentioned the African um, tribes and, you know, preparing the, the person to conceive mm-hmm. because we're in the middle of something called modern healthcare right now. Yes. So I'm thinking, um, <clears throat> been around for a bit longer than... Anyway, another rant I would not go into right now. Anyway, then you mentioned breastfeeding. Tell us about that. Yeah, so really any decent um, orthodontist that I've ever listened to presents, orthodontists are people who place braces and and straighten teeth. Um, The good ones really understand that orthodontics and and facial growth starts from breastfeeding. Mm. So in order for the child to breastfeed effectively, we've got to make sure there's no... Um, tongue tie. Mm-hmm. So if mums are having repeated rounds of mastitis or difficulty with latching for the baby, I would strongly encourage them to to hunt out skilled and qualified people who um, know how to evaluate and do a, a snip on that tongue tie if that's a problem. Mm-hmm. The breastfeeding helps to reinforce the obligate nasal breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and nasal breathing, as air is, as I've been taught, as air is pulled through the nose, there are growth centers in the base and back of the nose that help to develop the maxilla. So the maxilla is the top jaw. The nose sits above the top jaw. As we breathe through the nose, we're developing that top jaw. Mm-hmm. The top jaw houses the lower jaw, and therefore if the top jaw is crowded, the lower jaw won't de- develop fully mm-hmm. uh, unless you've got an unusual situation where you've got a lower jaw that juts forward, as some mm-hmm. people do, but yep. that's, more, that's a more of a hereditary growth development. What we've seen with um, white Anglo-Saxon diet, I'll call it that for the moment, um, sugar, high inflammatory, mm. promoting allergy, mm-hmm. various other things we know also promote allergy, but that, that sugar inflammatory diet seems to, as Bill will no doubt have spoken to you, promotes nasal obstruction, mm. we get the chronic mouth breathing situation, and with the mouth hanging open, the tongue doesn't sit up in the palate. Yeah and help to develop the top jaw Mm. and the nasal breathing is not functioning those growth centers to develop the top jaw Mm -hmm. and this is how we end up with this classic grounded lower jaw is small and possibly set back white anglo-saxon face look at the british royals there's a great example Mm -hmm. (laughs) not the ones that have come into the system but the ones that are in the system Mm -hmm. if you know what i mean interesting Yeah. yeah So then the swallowing pattern is really important. Yeah, Yeah. and the swallowing pattern, I think, comes from um, making sure there's no tongue tie, but also the breastfeeding and learning properly. So yes, if we've got what we call a tongue thrust, um, which can happen if there's a persistent tongue tie, with a tongue tie, that tongue can't get up into the palate. 
So it will tend you tend to develop an aberrant swallow pattern where the tongue comes forward, mm-hmm. juts forward, and therefore once again it's a kind of a feed forward problem because the top jaw is not developing, and now the tongue is thrusting forward. So we end up with um, sometimes uh, incompetent lips. That sounds terrible, but what we mean is a technical term for people not putting their lips together in order to swallow properly. They rely on the tongue touching the lip to create a seal. You Mm -hmm. have to have a seal in order to swallow. So instead of having the lips create the seal, we end up with the tongue touching a lip to create the seal. Mm. And the facial development just kind of goes askew from there. So which practitioners should they see for this kind of thing? Mm. So Bill Johnston, as you've said, the ENTs, um, the allergists potentially, and orofacial myology is a whole little area within its own right. Um, orofacial myology is, well, those people will help to identify where there is a tongue tie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can't treat the tongue tie. That requires somebody else to do a small snip or a surgery. Um, but they then help you with learning teaching exercises to develop the correct swallow pattern because as we use the tongue incorrectly in that aberrant swallow, as I mentioned, you also start to use other muscles around the the face and Mm. neck area to create that swallow. Can you spot it, Charlotte, when someone is in front of you, how they're swallowing or the rhythm of swallowing? Yeah, there's a couple of of simple things to do. Mm. And yet, as we swallow, if people sit at home and they want to do a swallow, they should feel that the top front of the tongue really bangs heavily into the palate behind mm. the front, up behind the front teeth, but also the teeth come together in mm. a swallow. Mm-hmm. It's the only time really that the teeth sit together and it's just for an instant. There's not that much load behind it and then the teeth are apart again. Mm. So if, we're, um, if we've got a tongue thrust, people will find that as they swallow, the tongue comes forward between the teeth and the teeth don't touch yeah. at all. That's a tongue thrust. So at what age can you start giving um, those exercises? Because, you know, I would imagine in a baby, if you spot this, and you're talking about breastfeeding, probably there's so much guilt out there about bottle feeding. We're not going to go mm-hmm. into that. But, um, you know, so at what age can we help children to readapt their, their swallowing pattern? I think probably from the age of five, there are some interceptive steps. There are some uh, what we call orthopedic devices, mm-hmm. which are dental orthopedic devices. Yeah. Um, things you can look them up. Things called Myomunchi was the original mm-hmm. version. Yes, yes. Now relabeled as things like T4K yeah. uh, and Trainer for Kids and Trainer for Braces and things like that. Mm. Those can be useful in trying to teach a child to establish a lip seal, Mm -hmm. if that's possible. Obviously, none of this will work if the nose doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So it's a case of identifying what are the confounding factors and and addressing those. Because then you do bring bring in things like gut health, you know, Mm -hmm. and find the kids on solids ASAP so they can... Yeah, well, I mean, we, as we chew, so we grow. Um, I don't know where that just came from. Sorry to anybody, but it's <laughs> a good download. Yeah, it's a good download. Thank you, download. Um, I've watched uh, very skilled educators in the area of orofacial myology. One lady from the US who we brought out to the conferences, mm-hmm. um, and she had a picture so cute of her twelve-month-old grandson. I think it was sitting there doing his best with a chicken drumstick. I don't know. He was half batting it on the table and hitting his mother with it but it was in his mouth and he was having a go Mm. so yeah just this concept that 
this this can be done mm. um and there's some funky funky stuff there about everything needs to be a pureed mishmash of oh, something yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. okay yeah um once mm. again you know follow the money yeah, yeah. <laughs> um no brand names mentioned. no brand names <laughs> mentioned but you know yeah time to mm. time to have a go at it to carry and grow that maxilla so that mandible yeah. grows mm. yeah. so any views on the whole thumb sucking phenomenon yeah i think chiropractors have a big role to play with that one mm -hmm. uh, in helping to correct it i i wonder what is the soothing mm. psychological need I, i was a thumb sucker for mm -hmm. a very long time until probably the age of 11 or so i still have my right thumb is significantly fatter than my mm -hmm. left thumb um, and I know at that age I had what we call an anterior open bite. So if I bit together on my back teeth, I'm doing it now, um, my front teeth didn't meet. My thumb would fit in the space even wow. when my back teeth came together. Wow. Now, you can both look at me now and yeah. see that my yeah. teeth touch fine. So once that thumb got out the way, right. as long as we've got a good swallow pattern and a lip seal involved yep. in the swallow pattern, those teeth will move okay. back into yeah. alignment. Mm -hmm. But we've got to get the thumb out the way. So once again, things like a T4K that can be used overnight. There are things called a thumb guard. Um, I've had pretty good success with those. It's like a, a plastic sleeve that goes over the thumb with a hospital grade strap around the wrist yep. so that it can't get pulled off. Mm. Now, there are some very committed thumb suckers <laughs> on this planet. So am I going to say that works all the time? No, but we can sure as heck give it a go. But, you know, it's a little bit like smoking. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to give up until they want to. Yeah. So there has to be a conversation with the child. Mm -hmm. And some children will switch on to the fact that their teeth are growing in a kind of funky way mm. um, and go, okay, well, this isn't that hard. And they do it for a couple of months. We often yeah. choose the school holiday period, mm -hmm. something yeah. like that. And it is on their 24-7-365, well, you know, eight, eight oh. weeks kind of thing. And that will often break, this, break the habit because it takes the joy out because you can't get You can't get suction if you've mm. got a sleeve of plastic over the thumb. It's yes. the suction that they're drawing when they when yes. they suck on the thumb. Yeah. So and that's where I look at, okay, so what's going on with cranials? What what cranial manipulation are these mm. children doing for yeah. themselves yeah. Yeah. that isn't being done? elsewhere yes yeah, we, we do do i mean i should give kids a cranial um homework where yeah. they put both thumbs in their mouths and just mm -hmm. gently um spread their yeah. their um their palate yeah. so anyway yes i mean yeah. there are all kinds of things but i wanted to ask you about the reflux in the regurgitation because yeah. um it's actually quite an interesting flow yeah because yeah. then you're going to go into the gut and, and all kinds of um well, below the diaphragm yeah. stuff yeah. <laughs> below, yeah, below <laughs> the diaphragm when there's places we never went mm. reflux i think is is very much underdiagnosed in children. Hmm. Reflux and constipation, to be yeah. honest. So okay. every parent who brings children to me, it's one of the questions. Is there bad breath on waking in the morning? Not for the mother, for the child. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> or dad. <laughs> or dad. Um, is there any snoring going on? How is sleep quality? Is there any bad breath on waking? And how often are bowel movements? Mm -hmm. And the number of times the child says, oh, yeah, I go every couple of days. And oh, mommy wow. goes, what? Or mommy goes, oh, yeah, that's about, and I'm like, no, 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 no. no. This yes. is not the way things are supposed to be. We need to get the nasty stuff out. Um, otherwise, as I understand, and from my reading in the last few years, we're starting to understand more about how constipation has that feedback loop on the microbiome for the gut further up the line. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we're 
feeding forward the problem, literally. I have seen a correlation, it's not a scientific study, but over 20 years I've seen a correlation between constipation, reflux, and dental decay. Mm-hmm. Um, kids can have a, we often give a diet diary uh, and ask parents to fill that in for a four or five day period. Um, and there can be no discernible high sugar intake there, you know, nothing that isn't a normal amount of fruit or whatever. Yep. Um, and yet we've got cavities going on. It's mm-hmm. like, mm, okay, got to look somewhere else. Stomach acid getting to the mouth and not even the stomach acid, the gases mm-hmm. getting up um, the esophagus can create an acidic environment. Teeth dissolve literally at pH 5.4. So if right. I'm not sure how much chemistry people are aware of, but if water is pH 7, yeah. pH 5.4 is not hugely acidic. Mm. pH 2 is stomach acid. So pH 5.4 is the point at which the calcium and the phosphate that the enamel is made from, the outer layer, um, literally comes apart. It's, mm. it's a chemical bond and it disintegrates. Okay. So that's the beginning of the decay process. So if we're having reflux at night um, with kids, uh, there's probably disturbed sleep because children don't sleep well. If there's that burning sensation, there's probably bad breath. On waking in the morning, no child should have bad breath. No, end of conversation, full stop. Um, Snoring, because the airway and the nasal passages are being affected by the gases, and Bill's probably mentioned that. We can see soft palate thickening and adenoids are enlarged, tonsils are red, back of the throat may or may not look red. All those kind of things um, feed into snoring. And if tonsils are big enough, for a number of reasons, then we can get obstructive sleep apnea mm-hmm. in children yeah. where the airway literally closes. And we talk about the kissing yeah. tonsils. Um, and of course, when we're asleep, the tone of the airway is much more flaccid, sloppy than when we're awake. Mm-hmm. So therefore, what looks like tonsils that aren't touching during daytime probably do touch at nighttime. Yeah. Yeah. As that airway constricts, the diaphragm below is still trying to pull the air in, mm. but it's pulling it against a closed airway and it will pump what's immediately under the diaphragm, the stomach. Mm. So stuff comes up. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And that's been what we've been led to believe in our studies, the correlation between obstructive sleep apnea and GERD, as we call mm-hmm. it, gastroesophageal mm-hmm. reflux disorder. And that's in adults as well, really. Absolutely. It's in adults. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Very interesting. And then um, you really need to look at it holistically, as you say. Yeah. What are they eating? Because as, as you say here, um, there's some hidden sugars out there. There are hidden sugars that contribute as well. So um, I had one patient within my practice, and this isn't extreme, but they were consuming about a litre of honey in a week. Oh. Yeah. Uh, now, honey is good for us, but everything in, in proportion, <laughs> moderation. And that was my first glimpse into just how damaging honey can be uh, in terms of sugar. It's a sticky substance. Mm. It sits on the root surface of the tooth mm. more than the top of the tooth. So this person had rampant root decay. It's a bit like um, tree bar- uh, ring barking a tree. Mm. We can get teeth that are perfectly sound on the top, but the, roots, the root surface is just being destroyed by decay and horrifically difficult to, to tackle. Unlikely in children, that's not where we go, that's more for adults where there's a lot of gum recession and a lot of root surface mm. exposed. You need to be careful about very sticky, chewy and honey-based, maple syrup-based, all these kind of things. Mm. Mm. Um, dried fruit yeah. is like fruit on concentration 
camp. I, I, you know, it's like yeah. super, super concentrated. Plus it's sticky. Mm. In children, as they chew on it, it gets stuck in the fissures of the tooth, the mm. grooves of the biting surface. Um, hard to get out. Uh, we see more decay going there. Um, possibly more than anything, though, what people drink during the day. Mm. So there is food grazing that takes place between meals and the food grazing really needs to be sugar free um, but the drink grazing also needs to be sugar free so we're not saying no to sugar but it needs to be around the time of meals mm -hmm. yeah because as we chew our saliva changes and you make a saliva that is better equipped to neutralize the acid that is created from the sugar in mm. So coming back to the same old thing again, chewing is just so important. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Mm. I've actually had a patient recently who's had multiple surgeries on his bowel for Crohn's, and he was getting um, uh, obstructive bowel obstructions four or five a year, I think, requiring surgeries. It was just crazy. And finally, somebody put it together that if he just chewed his food a lot better, maybe the bowel obstructions would stop. And lo and behold, he hasn't had one now for 12 months. Wow. But it yeah. was surgery after surgery after surgery. Did yes. somebody just stop and think here? Yeah. yeah. I mean, saliva, you know, I mean, that's yeah. magic fluid in the mouth. Yeah. Um, we see it, and you may too, uh, people who, who have such a built-up masseter on one side because they only chew on one side. <laughs> Do you find that? Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen really bad cases recently. I did have one gentleman who was fixing his Crohn's disease and decided to go entirely uh, raw food diet. This was about eight years ago now. And from one year to the next, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on and his masseters had gone, his face had gone from looking normal to having these great big square oh. masseters. It was incredible, those are the, the cheek muscles. Yeah. And uh, he was like that for about two years and I was freaking out because I'm like, oh my God, what are you gonna do to your cheek? You're grinding, clenching, ah, we're gonna smash everything. And he fixed his Crohn's, he went back to the raw and cooked food yeah. and the muscles just went back to being normal it was amazing to observe it was like wow, wow. um but yes we, we really shouldn't be chewing only on one side for a prolonged period of time um so if there's something going on on the other side that requires dental assessment please go and have it looked at <laughs> yeah and i think i don't know they're doing it until they actually right. ask that exact yeah. question yeah. they go oh mm. yes quite right so um what should we be drinking charlotte for the day um, water. <laughs> water, uh, water with ingredients is, is certainly fine, but not a lot of the ingredients. I've seen challenges with a lot of acidic intake. Mm. So dentists, I think the way we were trained, often we completely overlook what's going into the system and its role that it can have. So if I use an example of another patient, thank you patients. Mm -hmm. um, this lady had been a patient for years, everything was very stable, she went on a holiday. She came back and she said, I've got a toothache, I've got a toothache. And she came back and I looked and there was nothing there. I was like, it, it really hurts here, it really hurts here. And I'm like, well, it seems like you've got a bit of gum recession. There's a bit of root surface exposed and maybe you just some erosion or you've been over brushing or no, 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 it's all the same, it's all the same. Anyway, backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards over a period of about three or four weeks. And finally she let slip that on the airplane she'd been given a toothbrush. Well, those are always like wire wall. Mm. And I said, why are you using that? Get rid of it and gave her a soft one. And she said, um, and they had this lovely lemon tea on the aeroplane. I've been drinking that a lot. It's lovely. Stop that. And within two weeks, the problem was gone away. So, yeah, it, you know, we change our habits sometimes mm. because the next greatest thing has come along and that's going to solve the world. Okay. 
So, so, so the, the lemon tea, because you do mention um, coconut water, kombucha, and lemon, and yeah. it's all about it alkalizing the body, but actually being acid in the mouth. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. No problem against lemon in water. So I know a lot of people would do that first thing in the morning. Good for gut, good for liver, blah, blah, blah. Ah. It's got to get past the teeth mm. without lingering. Mm. So interesting. To, to me, I say to people all the time, it's got to go through a straw. Yeah. Yes. You need to rinse your mouth thoroughly with water afterwards yes. and you do not brush for two hours. Interesting. It can take two hours Ooh. for the pH to get back to normal in the mouth and to remineralize and harden that tooth surface again. There's a test called the Brunel hardness test, I think, or Brunel hardness score, and they will see that the surface texture of a tooth will drop dramatically in the presence of something acidic. Interesting. And then, so if you then go and brush, brush yeah. immediately, brush, yeah. you're taking more damaging surface oh. often. Yeah. Oh, interesting, because that flips how I would have, I mean, I'm not a dentist, so I wouldn't have any idea, but that I would have gone, yeah, brush straight away. Yeah. Well, to get rid of it to people, too. you know, maybe brush beforehand. Yeah. Or don't brush at all, you know, but um, <laughs> ideally, no, don't brush at all in the morning. Um, <laughs> ideally, wait till later in the mid-morning when your saliva flow has got going. I mean, if you wake with a dry mouth because you're a chronic mouth breather or yeah. a snorer and then you throw lemon water in there, ay, 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 ay. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. So this is good for flossing as well and those little picksters? Um I don't think floss has the potential to be as it depends on the operator um, <laughs> but i don't think you can be quite as um as as firm with mm-hmm. a piece of floss as you can be yeah. with a toothbrush yeah yeah right. i have seen vigorous pickstering which has actually left little like round indentations between wow. the teeth in some people so Fair a pickster yes. should be passed no more than two times yeah interesting yeah. so right. just kind of on that in terms of just brushing teeth in general, do you say mid morning and evening? Like, what are your times to say? Oh, look, morning and last thing at night, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, 100%. It's just not immediately after, after 11 bath. Yeah, tooth. Cool. Mm. Yeah. Very practical because um, you also mentioned um, also improving hydration, improving saliva, adding some Celtic. Yeah, yes. so I learned this from my nutritionist mm-hmm. um, because I talked to people, you know, I. A dentist is really well positioned to see a lot of stuff that's going wrong. Yeah. I don't think we're trained well enough to identify these things that are going on personally, and that's part of my holistic commitment. But if I look in the mouth and see that saliva flow is down, it's an instant question of like, what do you drink? Which is, you know, mm. what do you drink? And yesterday somebody was in and he has three glasses of water and five shots of coffee. I like, okay, can we at least flip that? The ratio, can yeah. we do the five glasses of water, the three shots yes. of coffee? All of these caffeinated things are diuretics that's taking mm. fluid out of your system. Yeah. Um, saliva is the last thing we make from the cha- from the fluid that we're given. There are much more important things like mm. cerebrospinal fluid and blood and mm. stuff mm. like that. So saliva is at the end. Yes, yeah. so it's a false sign down now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. So it carries, so when the decay process <clears throat> happens in the mouth and that pH 5.4 and the calcium and the phosphate come apart, that mineral doesn't disappear. It doesn't evaporate off into the ether. It's supposed to go into our saliva, sit in our saliva, which is super saturated, and then pump back onto the tooth when the mouth gets back to that neutral pH. Wow. This is this beautiful cycle we have. Homeostasis. Homeostasis. Yeah. But if we don't have any saliva there, there's, that mm. pumping process doesn't happen. Or if the mouth is acidic all day because we take the coconut water at 5.4 pH and then we have some kombucha and we had our lemon water in the morning and we put the lemon on the salad. And 
all of these things are good things, but once again, would that really have happened in our natural diet? Yeah. Like, how much effort would it take to create yeah. coconut water? Mm. Or are you off gathering seeds and berries and you know yeah. keeping your children safe and watching for the hairy mammoth, woolly mammoth? So we just have to put these things back into balance in order for the system to still work. Mm. And so do we know whether we're, you know, how some people are so self-aware, they know how much saliva they're producing? I mean, Oh, you, you'll have people who say, look, I know I've always got to try mouth, in which mm. case I say, well, okay, talk to me about how you take your fluid as well. So something, I, I forget where I stumble across these bits of information, probably my nutritionist again, mm. but talking about the way in which we take the water, well, if you take a glass of water and scull it down in two seconds flat, you're not going to hydrate. Mm. The kidneys now have to deal with that load and I think you'll lose half of it. So there's that more continual taking of water through mm. the day, which is why it's important that the water doesn't have the additives, it's just water. Yeah. Um, but. She also taught me a pinch of either Celtic or Himalayan sea salt, mm. uh, Himalayan salt in a liter of water creates that isotonic type um, sports drink without all the garbage. Yeah. Please don't run off and drink sports drink. They are the worst thing ever created for teeth or health. Good to know. Um, but yeah, you can have the benefit of that without all the additives. Yeah. So yeah. for all like little young athletes then, that mm. can be a really handy hint. I mean, okay. the, the Celtic sea salts doesn't have 73 different minerals or something in it. And of course, all in Good proportion to, to the yeah. way they're supposed to be. Good to know, just sipping mm. it through the day. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's just so helpful. And of course, you mentioned things like soups, stews, vegetables. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you, if your diet is entirely dry stuff, mm. you're not gaining any extra fluid. You actually get an enormous amount of fluid from the consistency of our foods. Mm. Very interesting. In, in absorbable form as well. Yeah, I wouldn't have yeah. thought about a lot of those things, but no. um, sipping is a really interesting yeah. concept. So just yeah. sit through the day rather than sculling yeah. the Yeah, and look, the, the water bottles are also useful. I mean, we're all sitting here with a water bottle. The water bottles are useful because it's a means of measuring how much fluid yeah. you've taken. So I, you know, I say to people, look, a one meter water bottle ideally completed before lunch, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. with lunch because that as I understand, Again, dilutes your yeah. stomach acid, so your capacity to break things down yeah. is not good. Uh, and then another litre between lunch and dinner, mm. and you're taken care of. And then mm. kiddies, I mean, you must see, well, Yeah, and they possibly have a 500 mil bottle. Yeah. Or, yeah good to know. Mm. Ah. Question, does it matter if the, well, in terms of teeth, if the water's cold or room temperature, or does that sort of affect anything? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, cool. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm a firm believer in things tending to be room, room temperature. temperature. Yeah. Yeah. There is a trend, um, if you've got patients that come in with um, alkalized water, is that a thing? Have yeah. You heard of that? Um, I don't know what that is. I don't know that I'm across that well enough to make a lot of comment. So it obviously isn't acidic, so there's no potential problem to the teeth, absolutely. Um, I have had patients who have been on the cancer treatment path mm. who have been alkalizing being told you have to alkalize 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 mm. and i've seen i've seen them get no better so um because they were too alkaline mm. interesting so I, I think all of these things once again we actually yeah. function in a very tight range of 6.8 to 7.2 is my understanding yeah. If you start getting outside of that, body enzyme processes just don't yeah. work as well. The yeah. yeah. levels get crazy yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. So comment comment on carbonated water then? Is I mean mineral mm. water, soda water, do they change? 
Um, things somewhat slightly different pHs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just watching that acidic okay. pH. Yeah. And of course, our favorite um, question is wine or beer. <laughs> Beer, beer has no impact. It doesn't because it's it's pretty much pH neutral. Wine is acidic, okay. and I think back to like my parents growing up. It was all about wine and cheese parties. Yeah. Well, hmm, why did we put those two things together? The wine's acidic, and the cheese mops it up. Mops yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. great. Well, That's good advice. Great. I like that. Feel a lot better now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there was always well, classically, if you set out a dining table, there was yeah. a wine glass, but there was a water, a water glass. glass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the wine glass was the small one. Yeah, and the water glass was the big one. Yeah. 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 Okay, so see, these days, don't modern we? healthcare yeah. <laughs> comes yeah. yeah. what our parents and grandparents did. Yeah. Yeah. And look, we live in tiny houses that don't have dining tables anymore, mm. and we don't yeah. sit down and have communal meals. And oh, we can take that down the road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, we're going to talk forever, but um, you, you have mentioned um, New Year and Roberts here. So <gasps> oh, yes. So I, I thought, seeing as we're talking to parents here, mm. so um, obviously, where grommets need to be put in, they need to be put in, and you can quiz bill on that one of course <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there are research papers around and I've been taught this um, from once again orthodontists who really have their finger on the pulse um, there's a, a treatment protocol from dentists that's called dominant molar buildup. now what that means is the dominant molar is, is the biggest molar at the back of the mouth and this is on the baby teeth and you can actually put tooth-coloured filling material, just bond it to the top. You don't need to drill anything. You just stick it on top. Uh, one on either side, it has to be balanced and they have to be the same height. And what you're basically doing there is um, what we call increasing the vertical dimension of occlusion. Mm-hmm. So effectively, the distance between the nose and the chin mm-hmm. increases as you build up that back tooth. Yeah. And what that's doing is playing with the muscle pull within the mouth. We mm-hmm. talk about the tensor feli palatini, which yeah. is a muscle for the palate, which has uh, an attachment, I believe, close to the eustachian tube. So as you open the vertical dimension of occlusion with these buildups, you're changing the dynamics of the eustachian tube. Interesting, yeah. So they become um, less horizontal, but a little bit more oblique. Yeah, exactly. It it seems, if I remember rightly, children that have a shorter face height, so that more square looking face, often have more problems with glue and grommets. So where can we send these kids to? I mean, I'm assuming that you're a very unique dentist, Charlotte Ann. I think there are a lot of dentists who have done what we call interceptive orthodontics okay. and who know these know right. these things. Because the other reason you do dominant molar buildups is if you build up the the molar both the molar, so there are two baby molar teeth mm. um, and the six-year-old molar tooth comes in behind those. Mm-hmm. Um, if you build up these molar teeth at age four or five, if your little person will cooperate, and they generally do, they're pretty cool, mm. um, then what happens is that when the six-year-old molar teeth come through, they can um, erupt further. So you can fix that short mm. face height just with natural eruption of the teeth Interesting. into a, into a better height, basically, mm. because you built... And then when the baby teeth are loose, they fall off with the build-up on them. You, you don't need to take the build-up off again at any point because the teeth fall out. But mm. you've established the right amount of bite opening. All right, so yeah. what should parents ask for? Let's say a parent is looking... Um, I think... Is it a register of dentists who might do this work or can they're in a dental association? Isn't it hard? Because here <laughs> we are, we are tricky. Yeah. We're finding each other just by accident. I yeah. mean, because I yeah. went to a seminar and there you were. But let's say I'm a mum in on a northern yeah. beaches. How would I find a dentist like you? Um, 
excellent question mm. and I, I often don't think outside my little world can we can they ring your practice and say um we're in newport or we're in yeah. you know somewhere um, trying to think there are certainly people up and down the northern beaches and into the southern shire as well who mm. do this kind of work uh, I guess the question is to ask the dentist, look, do you do interceptive orthodontics? Do you, oh, you know, interceptive orthodontics? Yeah, right. I, the important thing is if your dentist has said, okay, your child is having, will probably have crowding and you'll need to go and see the orthodontist at age 12 mm. and we might need to take some teeth out so everything fits, mm. it's okay. time to seek a second opinion. It's yeah. time to ask, to be honest, the, the best network is the school playground interesting mm -hmm. look for the, the parents yeah. of the children who are wearing plates or something in their mouth already or who have had these conversations that's probably your most effective mm. um, network and is it on the outer you know so sarah and i do all kinds of different things in our practice and um i've done a post sweat in neuroscience so we're still slightly on the outer because we've done mm -hmm. other things is what you've described on the outer in your profession or is it there's a huge uptake in it now uh, I would say that there are significant numbers of dentists okay, who cool. know how to Good do you know. this. Wow. Yeah. That's and if really... they don't do it themselves, they will know somebody who does. Great. Yeah. Right. I really would be surprised if you drew a blank with that conversation mm. after you've had a conversation in the playground. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I know a lot of our patients might go to, say, the, the health fund dentists you know, at mm. the mall or whatever, mm. you know, and I'm not sure whether it's reached that far. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, take it off. <laughs> okay. So oral facial myology, we've talked about that swabbing pattern, um, the tongue. And oh, and the orofacial myologists would definitely know definitely as well. Yeah, yeah, great. So we could talk forever, Shad, because yeah. I know um, in the lead up to our podcast with you, we discussed where we might go with the podcast and we covered all kinds of things like TMJ, grinding, storing, OSA, but also, um, you know, your own journey regarding pain you know so maybe one day we can touch upon that you know because i think that's a a big happy to like mm. the, the whole idea of, of us experiencing pain in our personal journey you know in, in um, our spiritual growth yeah. so so that's how holistic this beautiful woman is <laughs> i've just been, it's been fantastic i've really enjoyed it so you're, have we covered everything and would you like to tell us your three little things or do you have oh, something else yes. to add? Things. Maybe just for, for adults, mm. um, ways in which to manage or reduce the impact of reflux. Yes. Because I saw a patient yesterday who said to me, oh, by the way, I've been put on these tablets mm. next to you know, for the reflux. And it's like, yes. okay, says I. Um, did the doctor happen to talk to you about the correlation between mainstream treatment medications for reflux and stomach cancer <laughs> because as we take some of these acid neutralizing things uh, these PPIs PPPI I don't I forget what they're called now um, but as we take these and they cut down the stomach acid of course we increase the opportunity for opportunistic infection of the mm -hmm. stomach and for changing the microbiome mm -hmm. my own father died from stomach cancer and I remember as a child he chowed down on, on Rennie's, which is a tablet in the UK, which is a, a, a alkalizer. Yeah, yeah. He was always chewing on those. I remember mm. I can still see the packet in my eye. Having said that, he also had lost all his teeth at a very early age and had interesting, mm. numerous, so many fillings as a child that he actually was put before an evaluating committee in the UK because they thought that the doctor was, the dentist was probably fraudulent because how could one child need that many fillings? Mm -hmm. But looking wow. back on it, yeah. it, it all yeah. just kind of makes sense to me now. 
Interesting. So I, I said to the patient, so what exactly was done in order to come to this conclusion? He said, oh, I was given the questionnaire with 20 questions, which I answered, and then the specialist said, yes, you need this tablet. And by the way, rinse this and use Gaviscon when you need it. Mm. And I said, okay, diet, timing of food, anything else? He said, no, not really. I said, okay, well, let, let's do some things here that you can take charge of. Mm. So how about we make sure that you've got at least three hours between your last meal and going to bed because we need gastric emptying time. And as we get older, our stomach is not as good at breaking things down and emptying the stomach. So let's make sure you've got the three hours between meal time and bedtime. Mm-hmm. And that means the grazing in the evening needs to be very much reduced. Carbonated drinks for adults need to reduce those hugely. Um, Mealtime, make your main meal, maybe the lunchtime meal, not mm-hmm. the evening meal. And the evening meal, maybe what I would class as pre-digested foods. So the soups, the stews, you're not going to sit down to a big bowl of, uh, of lettuce mm-hmm. and a big steak that's partially cooked, Interesting. you know, yeah. thinking that's a healthy meal because it's got some greenery there. But if you don't have digestive enzymes to digest that, you're going to bed with a full stomach. That's going to because especially if it's washed down with a glass of bread and it's a great meal but <laughs> it's not good if you've got you've got reflux um caffeine i think the studies seem to show that probably somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of us are actually caffeine intolerant or coffee intolerant mm-hmm. and we just don't know it because we have the same symptoms every day and <laughs> assume that that's normal so i think the studies are showing very high levels of people being intolerant to certainly what is current western coffee let's yeah. put it that way um as i mentioned digestive enzymes um there's a wonderful product called zymax uh, which was developed by by a chemist here in in sydney um but digestive enzymes come in lots of different forms now some people use lemon <laughs> as a digestive enzyme and as i was saying it's good but it's disaster for teeth so careful with that one but the use of digestive enzymes at meal times to help supplement what might not be happening in the stomach I mean, the whole problem we've got here most of the time is that the stomach is underly acidic. Mm. You know, it's it's lost its capacity to produce some of these um, enzymes to break the food down. Um, I suggest to people also elevating the bed. So if you've got a standard bed with four legs, none of these fancy bed-based things or water beds, you can put a brick mm. under the leg of the head end mm-hmm. and the whole bed base is elevated. Please do not prop yourself with pillows because to me that just compresses the stomach mm. further and of course creates back pain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or you can't do side sleeping if you're propped like that. And people need to be side sleeping. The sleeping position is a whole other conversation. Um, and um, slippery arm is very useful. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Rather than the gaviscons and things like that. Because it is a bit of a life sentence when medics put people on um, Nexium, they say yeah. things you'll never get offered, you know. Yeah. Oh, completely. <laughs> I was like, hello, so what's that in the yeah. yeah. And when you say adults, um, what age are you, well, I mean, not that it matters what age, but about what age do these things happen to, to adults? I think we start seeing it from about 40 onwards. Yeah, interesting. to be honest. Most, it accelerates. Mm. Uh, and that's what I think is the, is the breakdown in digestive enzymes. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, sorry, that was a detour so, on my way to three or four things. Yes. No, but I mean, as I said, you know, we, we could be here all day because as I said, I find your material really fascinating. Three little things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three little things. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I'd have to say that for parents, correcting that tongue tie and the aberrant swallow patterns as early as possible. Make sure your child is is swallowing correctly to avoid indigestion. Um, 
the way in which the tongue works is to roll that food into the esophagus. A child that's got a tongue tie, there's some amazing swallow patterns. We can do all of this with um, with imaging these days and functional MRI, you can watch tongues move in real time. And there'll be this technique whereby the child will just literally flick, or the adult will flick the food from the front of the tongue to the back of the esophagus. The food goes down super fast and then comes back up again. Mm. You know, so these are the kids that are struggling. They're, my child chews so slowly. Or, okay, what's going wrong in the mouth? What's not working? Is there dental misalignment? Or have we got a tongue that's not working properly mm. to allow food to go down easily? Um, nasal breathing. I think this is the single most important thing for whole body health. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. The processes that happen in the nose that I think we still haven't yet discovered, um, but I know Bill has spoken about nitrous oxide, nitrous oxide yeah. and all of that. I think there's a lot more to it, um, but nasal breathing for facial development, nasal breathing for um, lung health, uh, respiratory health, nasal breathing for microbiome, when, when we talk about microbiome, everybody's got on the bandwagon with that one. But it's not like the nasal microbiome doesn't talk to the gut microbiome, doesn't talk to the skin microbiome, doesn't, you know, like they're not little compartments. Let's not think like Western medicine here. Mm. It's a sum of the so whole. Cool. And yeah. all of these organisms and systems mm. are talking to everything else. So if you're mouth breathing, you're changing the microbiome in the mouth, which of course is swallowed into the stomach and the knock-on effect from there. Mm -hmm. um, and we see a lot more decay and a lot more gum disease for people who are mouth breathers, massively. Mm. Um, and the final thing is, is the gut health. Um, so constipation, the microbiome changes because the nasty stuff isn't moving out and it's feeding back into producing more nasty stuff. Um, the reflux um, that comes if we don't have digestive enzymes and that will change the airway. We get this obstructed soft palate and nasal airway and more decay. And then of course we've got different bacteria. Also the nocturnal cough. Um, if people have a nocturnal cough, the quickest thing they can do to try and assess if that's perhaps reflux is to do that thing I said about putting the bed up on a brick. Mm. See what difference it makes. It, it costs nothing. Yeah. You need a couple of muscly men to lift the bed, mm. otherwise you end up at the chiropractor. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's very cheap intervention and see what happens. Um, and yeah, the nasal obstruction that then feeds forward into the mouth breathing, which feeds forward into the obstructive sleep apnea, which feeds forward into the GERD. Mm. And around we go. Yeah. And around yeah. we go. All for the sake of two bricks. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Mm. Kitty's um, poem almost. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a tour de force, Charlotte. That was great. We've we covered a lot. Share, really. yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. Amazing. And I know yeah. I know our listeners will take a lot from that. Yeah. And we'll probably have lots of questions. So it's good that we've already locked you into a we'll tee up another one <laughs> on record. Um, but yes, thank you so much. And maybe we could talk to you after and, and if you know of anyone on the beaches that does this sort of holistic dentistry, we can pop that into our show notes or sure. anything for our people. Exactly. But um, we'll also pop where they can find you so they can, you know, contact you as well. If that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so Thank much. You so Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. A quick disclaimer. These episodes are not intended to replace help, treatment or advice from your healthcare professionals. The information in today's podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not designed to diagnose or treat any conditions. This is just a friendly reminder that we do not know you or your child or those around you and therefore do not know your specific needs. Please seek guidance from your healthcare professionals surrounding your concerns.